This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Yeah, I've never been to Cairo, and I'm not a very good driver. I wouldn't last five <laughs> minutes in Cairo, so I don't really, you know, it's, I'm very pleased to be here and to, uh, I've just got a very um, prosaic kind of question you know, how did you do it? How did you meet all those people? How do you get invited into their cars and develop such a kind of relaxed, intimate rapport with people? I mean, you're obviously great at the entree and, and getting into different scenes and making this kind of picaresque movie that just moves very fast across a vast space. So. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I have to just say that I had come from making two films in Cairo, one... Well, I was a cinematographer, and it was about garbage. Mm. And the other one was this activist film. So I was already very conditioned that this is going to be difficult. And I think that's part of the reason I chose driving as a subject matter. Because I, I think in general, um, in the Middle East, especially now in Egypt, people are very hesitant to be filmed. So uh, I thought that driving was a really smart... I mean, I can only say this now. At the time, I didn't think it was very smart... But at the, now I can say, it was very smart to say, you know, they would say, I don't want to be filmed. And I'd say, I don't want to talk about anything but traffic. Let's talk about <laughs> what's happening right here. But I won't talk about politics. Please don't. Like, let's just stick to what, knowing that if there was a rapport, they would obviously get into deeper subjects. But it was, I think, it was nice to have this very non-confrontational uh, subject matter. Let's talk about driving, which every Egyptian or Kyrian it is all of our story, and everyone knows it, and everyone, and the second you say, oh, let's talk about driving, then it was like, ah. Um, and then I would say that a lot of it, I mean, obviously what you're seeing is what made it to the film. There were a lot of people that were not so receptive. <laughs> but um, in general, it was literally, and because I'm a one-man band, I would sit in a coffee shop often, have a couple cigarettes and coffees, and just sort of think, okay, what do I want to film today? And then I would just try, and I would get into cars, and obviously the, ca- the you know, camera is hidden away, and it always started with this sort of, let's develop a rapport, and I'll decide whether or not I'm going to tell them, hey, I'm working on this film. But it wasn't like, hey, can I film you, ever. Um, and then there's a few characters that I knew, I mean, I have to be honest, like, the girl is my cousin. Um, <laughs> Which girl? Which girl? Oh, yeah, well, that girl. Single and fabulous. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she said to me, she said, you know, she said, before she saw the film, she said, um, did you talk about my UN AIDS work? <laughs> no. And then I said to her, I said, you know, she said, well, I hope you didn't typecast me. And I said, Karina, I mean, the first day of filming, you wore a purple tight shirt that said single and fabulous. And then you proceeded to hit your driver. So I don't know if I typecasted you as much as, <laughs> fine, this works. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the um, filming wasn't surreptitious at all, or it was? In the sense that... Uh, Sorry, I mean, was it, you, they knew that, you know, it was... Everyone, everyone knew they were being filmed. Right. They certainly had no idea... I mean, for example, the military general, which was very hard to get. He was the head of traffic at the time, and I just wouldn't take no for an answer. And I just kept asking everyone, everyone. But he said, um, I just want to see the tape that you filmed of me. 
and then I'll sign off on it. Which I thought, oh, great. Like, he doesn't need to see what context it's in. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, talked to him for three hours and recorded mm -hmm. everything and gave him the tapes, and mm -hmm. he watched it, thought he looked pretty good, and done. Yeah. But the shooting ratio must have been amazing. I mean, there must have been tons and I had, tons like, 250 hours. I had storylines. I had characters that at some point we just had to decide what is, I mean, what is the bare minimum and even now, you know, I sometimes question, like, oh, shouldn't we have? But it's done. I mean, and thank God I'm done with it. Because, again, having just come back from Cairo and seeing where driving's moved to now, and everyone loves to say, ah, you should film this, Sharif. And it's like, I'm done. We did it. We filmed it. We're done. Yeah, I read some reviews, and somebody came up with this great word, I think, for describing it, chaotic. You know, there's, a, there's an order in the chaos, the chaos. And that seems to be the allegory of the whole thing. Yes. That, that, that everything looks a complete mess, and yet, and yet people know how to navigate it. Right. And, and uh, I think it's amazing that you've, you've made this composition that seems so loose and improvisatory, and yet it's so ultra tight. Yeah. And that must be the editing. Cheers. I'll drink to that. And then, <laughs> you know, so I thought about the, you know, the. Uh, City Symphony films from the 1920s, you know, Zygabertov and Ivans and so on. But, you know, they're, they're, their films are silent, so you could easily impose this structure. But you've got sound. Everybody's, everybody's jamming, really. It's a musical film. Yeah. You know, the cars are, are playing you know, music. People, are, all their spritzing and their, their rap is right. completely... Right completely uh, uh, musical, so and it sounds like jazz. And then I thought about the relationship between jazz and traffic and the city mm -hmm. in, this, in, this, in this culture. Yeah, yeah. And you've done something here that is like jazz, only it's for the Egyptian scene. Egyptian and, jazz. and You yeah. begin with Handel, but then yeah. you soon get into right. something else. So, you know, this is more of a sort of a, just a, uh, you know, uh, a tribute to what you've done. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about music and uh, then move from that to thinking about sure. editing and how you went about doing it? The music was uh, always going to be, I knew, an integral part of the film, and I'm very musical, and I like to uh, cut to music that already exists, whereas a lot of people, you know, bring in an orchestra, but I thought, no, I want to take... Um, so we started with Handel, and it was because it was water music, and there was something about him sort of conducting a symphony... Um, it's later been pointed out to me that that was also like regime music of its kind, and I thought, oh, perfect. Yeah, I meant that. But, um, and then to bring it back was, uh, you know, at the beginning in the, in the order, and then to bring it back during the revolution um, was important. And the rest of the music was, um, a lot of it was, I made the mistake of my first film of using any song I wanted. I'm going to use the Ramones, I'm going to put this in, I'll get the rights later. And I quickly learned that that's, which is maybe one of the main reasons my first film about smoking wasn't really seen much, because I had no rights to any of the music. Um, so with this film, I was very conscious about who do I know that's a musician? Let me listen to what they have. Let me make sure I can use the music before I even put it into a sequence and start playing around with it. Because you know how, as an editor, you kind of get locked to things. And I thought, I don't want that to happen. But I knew that the whole thing, I mean, it was all, I think a lot of the editing, and we go to editing, was about finding that balance. I knew I wanted it to be very loud, but at the same point, I knew that an audience would 
cry. And it's, you know, it's, I'm in a car, so audio shooting is all very shaky. So I knew that we had to get out of a car and just sort of have those calmer moments. And I didn't know what they were, but I sort of found them, like the ambulance drivers sitting around. And it's only like as you're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, right, this is perfect. This is kind of what I needed. Um, but I had, this film took me five years. I had been editing the entire time, um, showing people cuts and not showing people cuts and, and, and. Um, and it wasn't until I finally, a friend of mine decided, convinced me, you need to just raise money on Indiegogo, which is what I did, hire the editor that I had worked with on a previous film, mainly because I knew that our rapport was good and I, he was someone I liked arguing with. Um, <laughs> He slept in my apartment. I had another friend from Cairo who saw the trailer, also said, I'm coming, I'm helping. So it was the three of us, constant, I mean, for two or three weeks, we just ripped the thing apart and put it back together. Um, and, you know, I'm honored that you say it seems very loose, but yet you can tell it's very tight. But, yeah, we, every single edit, every, you know, and I did the translating myself. It's very hard to translate humor. And it doesn't always translate. And it was like, literally, like, would a comma make this funnier? Or is it not funny at all? Or So the editing was, we spent a lot of time on um, making it as tight as possible, including everything we wanted to, and not giving the audience too much time to think about anything, and to just keep it moving. And that was sort mm -hmm. of our goal, like, keep it moving. Just keep going. Um, and then the ending was just, you know. <laughs> Fortuitous. That was a gift. <laughs> Some, yeah, you know, I've, I've heard, I've, in showing this film, I've heard a lot of different comments, and I'm look, very much looking forward to opening it up. But um, one of the comments was, and how did you, how did you make that accident happen? <laughs> I didn't make that, yeah, like, what, what, I'll drop the man now? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, to that I said, well, yeah, and that revolution, that was also because I needed the film to take. <laughs> An arc, so I said, guys, let's throw a revolution. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think you just, by default, so much footage. I was lucky a lot of times. There were a lot of things I missed. Um, and at some point, you just sit back with all of the footage you have, and you say, okay, how can we tell this story? Um, with certain ideas in mind, one was, I want the film as populated as the city. I don't want an audience to necessarily care who this person is beyond this moment that we're in. Um, and I didn't want it to get into like, you know, and people wanted that. I worked with Danes briefly and they were like, give us some backstory, let us <laughs> see them at home. And I just thought, that's not this film. Yeah, we, you know. Um, yeah, and I will say, I mean, again, driving, I think what was really nice about it, and one of the reasons I thought this is the film I want to make, is because driving is one of the few things in Cairo, maybe in many cities, but that just cuts through all social classes, all, you know, sex, religion, it doesn't matter. We're all at the same light. We're all equally frustrated. We're all, and again, that's why it's sort of everyone's story. And there's few stories in Egypt that are everyone's story, but traffic is that. Hmm. It doesn't matter if you have a car or can't afford a car or if you're in public transportation. or you, it's, It sort of equalizes the playing field. Hmm. That's, that, so I'll ask you, leads up to my question. Um, 
This film was made over five years, and <laughs> it was released in November 2013. Yes. Along with a lot of other films about Egypt, specifically about yes. the Arab Spring. Um, so now, three years later, I feel like this film still has traction, while maybe some of the other ones, <laughs> <laughs> while some of the other films sort of <coughs> had their moment and are gone. They're not as interesting. We're not we're not looking at some other films. What? Would you? Th what do you think is um, unique about Cairo Drive that has given it, it some breadth, some mm. breadth, and some longevity beyond the scope of um, the, the the when all eyes were on Egypt, right? Because all eyes are no longer. If eyes are on Egypt, they're not the same eyes, and they're Different, not yeah. looking at yeah. Egypt for the same reasons. Well, I would say initially I was maybe a little later than those that got to the film first. You know, the, to the revolution. And initially it was, you know, people would, I would apply to festivals and people would say, oh, this isn't another revolution film. And I'd have to say, no, it's not. I just sort of drove around the revolution. Um, but I think the best compliment I got was my cousin early on in the process said, Sharif, it's kind of like you made a revolution movie without trying to make a revolution movie. Nice. And I thought, oh, thank God. Not that I tried that at all, but I think, I think, Again, going back to the editing, we were very conscious of not wanting to, f to be too far on one side or the other. There was a period where there was such optimism that it was easy to get swept into that, and then there was such pessimism, and it was easy to get swept into that. Um, and when the political thing happened, of course, I shot, and suddenly it turned into a political movie. But, uh, you know, it was like a good friend of mine who kept saying to me, stick to your theme of driving. Stick to your theme of driving and let the rest, let that sort of cast a light on bigger subjects. Um, and, that's, and that's it. I think because I didn't, because I had this very sort of, um, this subject that's just sort of there, driving, and a lot of people thought, how are you going to make a film about driving? Like, no one wants to watch an hour and a half of that. But I, to me, it was, it was all the other moments, which was really the film I wanted to make. You know, the ambulance driver, mm. for example talking about how he couldn't get married. That's not his story. That's half the population story. And every, you know, and so in Egypt, when this plays for an audience, it's almost like they know the characters without even hearing them speak. And it's like, ah, of course, right. And there's that guy, and here's this young girl, and here's that, and... So how does this film, how does this film, uh, how is it received in Egypt or in other places? I mean, could you give us an example how maybe it's... Except, you know, how do Egyptians there or Egyptians here or maybe Europeans or people in Hong Kong, how has this film been received <laughs> internationally in, like, in different places? Hong Kong, they were very quiet. Now, um, I, I, I'm, uh, a funny thing about Egypt is that um, Egypt, suddenly people were interested in it once it got some acclaim outside of Egypt, which is fair enough. But um, Egyptians have actually really loved the film. And a lot of people have said to me, you kind of made the film that everyone's wanted to make, but you just did it. And it's like, <laughs> But, uh, it, you know, it played at a, a local cinema in, in downtown, um, and it was supposed to play for one week, and it ended up playing there for seven weeks, four or five screenings a day, which I thought, that's too much. You shouldn't screen the film that many times. But they had audiences, and so, I mean, again, I'm very proud and I can only say this now, that it is very much... And for Egyptians, it's a completely different film because, obviously, the, the language makes it a lot easier to get certain nuances. And, like I said, th they know this. 
So for a lot of people, they have really enjoyed it. Outside of Egypt, it's been really nice to hear things like, we didn't know Egyptians had a sense of humor, or we've never seen the Middle East covered in such a way. And again, that makes me very proud that we did do that. Um, and, and, then, and then you have people, <laughs> um, and I, they're often Egyptians who, haven't, who don't live in Egypt, and haven't been there for a while, that are, um, you know, for example, I showed it in a park in L.A., an Egyptian woman, she was way over there, I could see her approaching me, I thought, she doesn't like this film. And her first comment was, how dare you call yourself Egyptian? You showed our country, you made it look awful, at the worst time in our history, and how dare you show this to... So that... And that's something that I'm constantly feeling like I need to uh, justify, even though I don't. But, yeah, I don't know. There is this, this idea in Egypt that you shouldn't air our dirty laundry. And you sh- certainly shouldn't do it to the foreign world. Definitely. You have to empty the streets when Obama comes. Well, exactly. You have to clean it up and you have to just... But I just thought... Uh, you know, I knew that this, because I had tried so hard in Egypt initially to get this finished, and that was a no-go, so I knew that I wanted it to have both audiences, but I somehow thought that my path was going to be to find an audience outside of Cairo, and then Cairo will be interested in it, which is what happened, and that was good. And also, I will say, going back to the editing, I knew that I wanted this film to sort of reach... You know, Egyptians, it's great, but they live this every day. They don't need... So that was one of the choices of having characters speak in English or in Arabic. I didn't want the whole thing to be subtitled, and I like this sort of flipping back and forth, and that's kind of how this cosmopolitan world, that I, the city that I know and love, works. And I thought, well, this is important to show that. Um, um, and so, you know, now people are like, well, why do so many people characters speak English? Or why this? Or why that? Um, but I would say, in general, it's been really well received, and um, yeah. Did I answer the question, or did I just talk a lot? <laughs> okay. Uh, of course, in America, we've got the road movie, which is such an iconic kind of... Right. The American road, yes. the open road. This yes. is the closed road. Right, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Or the road to nowhere, uh-huh. because in a sense it goes round the ring road. And, the ring road. The circle of And, it you all. know, you, you go out, you've got this ideal, the per- ideal of perfection of the partner you want, and it ends up being the girl who lives next door. You right. Know? That's right. a kind of per- perfect yeah. allegory for what you're talking about. Right. You know, so, uh, so I was thinking about the road now. The road here is, uh, you know, such a... Uh, a fetishized kind of thing, you know, the open road, the metaphor for open horizons and, you know, uh, yeah. space. Yes. And yet, of course, the road in this country is the most regulated space on Earth. Right. You know, you do one thing wrong and you're going to be pulled over and, you know, even if you haven't done anything wrong, you're yeah. likely to end yeah. up in jail in, if, you're, <laughs> you know, if you're black driving in the south or something. Right, okay. right, right. So, you know, that's interesting because when you think about uh, this inversion of, yeah. of freedom, because freedom is the word that when, it, when Mubarak says freedom, suddenly right. you, you move right. into the revolution. Right, right. Um, but now I'm thinking about why, you know, how the car and the car interior features in the Middle East, yeah. in Iran, you know, Kurustami and, uh, you know, the, the, the film 10 and this mm. new film... Taxi to Taxi. Ram, uh, yeah, yeah. 
uh, I've forgotten the name of the director. Right, right. Obviously, the Iranian situation is very different. You've got the same kind of uh, tension with the police mm -hmm. and regulation and so forth. But could you just sort of talk a little bit about how, you know, the connections between... Uh, well, again, uh, like I said, I think driving, what was nice was that it crosses all... And then as well in Egypt, you know, I was telling you earlier, the producer early on in the process said, you can't make this film, we tried to make it in L.A. and it didn't work. <laughs> and I thought, mm. but L.A. is totally different. All, L.A. is all about living in a bubble. But in Cairo, there is no bubble. And I just wanted mm. that. I love, I mean, everyone is interacting. Everyone is passing things, you know. And there's stuff that I wished I could have captured, the tea that's passed from one taxi driver to the next. Hey, I just made a cup of hot tea. Yeah, you know. But it is so communal <laughs> that, um, that I, I, I wanted that. And I will say, I mean, back to your open road, the reason I focused on Cairo is because the road is not, I mean, it is, that's the capital, and, and, and. Um, and people said, you need statistics of how many people die on the road, and, and, and. But... Again, most fatalities, and there are plenty, were one of the highest. 12,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of that happens outside of Cairo, which is on desert roads going from A to B. And within Cairo, although there are plenty of accidents and certainly people die all the time, but uh, it's more sort of these fender benders. I mean, there's just not enough there's space, no space to, to get enough speed to really, you know, at, unless it's the middle of the night. But... Um, there was just something that appealed to me so much about the, the community of... For me, it's also living in New York, um, coming back to Cairo, and also I'd say coming back to New York. It's that first cab ride from the airport home that is kind of the litmus test where you know exactly what's happening in the country even though you've been away for three months. And, you know, and, you know it's like, what's the weather like? Okay, what's happening here? And I did the same thing a week ago when I got to New York. It was like, how's the weather? What about Trump? What about that, you know, you just sort of, but I liked, and at the time I thought, I knew that things were getting tense, or I would say that I kept feeling like it's getting harder and harder to find this sort of love of life. And I knew that, I thought initially when I started in 2008 or 9, I thought I'm going to sort of document a bit of a breaking point, not knowing that it'll actually, you know, not having no idea that it would have exploded into the Arab Spring. But um, to me, it was always like, it's just the easiest way to tap into certainly a, a, a city as urban as Cairo is through the people that spend all their days on the road because it's, it's sort of the opposite of being in a bubble. And it's very hard to be in a bubble in Cairo. I mean, as you can tell, noise, sound, everything is sort of... But in a car, it's even more... It's sort of more obvious at least to me that like it's just sort of we're all in this together and we're literally reaching into each other's cars and having conversations you know you can be driving and you know someone will just get involved with your conversation he's in another car <laughs> and you could be talking to a cabbie about anything and and that happened to me a lot while shooting you know people who didn't even know what I was doing would just see me filming in a car and just start yelling at me <laughs> what you're doing is wrong you don't know what I'm effing doing. Like, what are you talking about? Keep driving. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that taxi movie came out after this film came out. Because <laughs> when I heard it, I was, you know, heard it on NPR and I thought, ugh. Um, and initially, people said, there's so many driving films out there, you should watch them. 
But I'm the kind of guy, and because I was this sort of one-man band for so long, I thought, I don't want to see anything because it'll just depress me. Right. And I'll think, oh, I wish my film was that. Mm-hmm. So let me just finish my film, and then I'd love to see all the driving films that are out there. It's got this particular, you know, uh, Egyptian, it seems an Egyptian sense of humor about the joke which hurts. Yeah. That's, you know, because the whole thing is like right. that, you know. And uh, I think that's, you know, the fact that we move from taxi drivers to ambulance drivers. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, really indicates something, you know, so anyway... Well, I will also say that there was a point, and these are Egyptian friends that said, you know what, Sharif, this film should all be a comedy. And God knows I had the footage to really get much more ridiculous. But um, my answer was always, anyone that lives in Cairo or knows people that live in Cairo, we've all lost people on the road. So it's funny up until a point, and then it's not funny anymore. Um, and so I don't, I think it's doing it an injustice by making it just a comedy. Because yes, it is... Funny, and Egyptians are very funny, and this is sort of a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. In order to deal with, we've sort of developed this very sharp sense of humor, which is funny. I mean, Egyptians are funny. It's to do with resignation, too. Right, right. Just a coping, this is how we deal. But um, for me, and that was, you know, the foreigner when he, the, the guy that lost his daughter, that's the point for me that the film, and we, you know, placed it there strategically, but at some point, the tone has to change. Um, And, you know, I could keep filming kids and laughing, (laughs) which was the only moment that, you know, those kids that were singing the song, that was the only moment that while filming, I just thought, oh my God, this is gold. Unbelievable. The kids. Like, yeah, like red, 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 (laughs) red. And they had done it so that when we walked in with our camera, they were singing as we walked in, and I just thought, oh, my God. Of course, the filmmaker in me was like, no, I need to film this. Luckily, they sang the song five or six times, so I could get <laughs> different angles, and I could film the lady you know, on the piano. And... So, yeah. thanks, Sharif, for a fantastic Q&A. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.